Welcome to Chapter One with Houston Public Library, where we give you just enough story to get you hooked. Today's episode features Buzzkill by Beth Fantaski, read by Alice. This title is intended for teens, however, it may contain language or themes that some readers may find offensive. Recording is made with permission of Houghton Mifflin Harcourt. Chapter One. There were probably a million things we seniors could have or should have done on the rainy day in early September when nobody showed up to teach our first period gym class, such as, say, choose somebody to lead calisthenics while we waited for a real teacher or organize some kind of game with a ball. But as the minutes ticked on with no sign of Coach Holleran, Hank Kildare, or a substitute, most of us wandered back to the locker rooms, got our stuff, then sat down on the mats usually used for crunches and proceeded to text, study, or in my case, read Monte's collected essays. Only my best friend, Laura Bugby, seemed unhappy about what most of us accepted as a stroke of good luck. I mean, I was okay with not running laps for one day, but Laura's conscience at least couldn't rest. Millie, don't you think we ought to tell somebody that Mr. Kildare didn't show up, she fretted. Like Principal Woolsey, maybe Coach had a heart attack in his office. She looked toward the guy's locker room with genuine concern in her brown eyes. Maybe he's dying in there. He looks like he has high blood pressure. Laura was probably right about Coach Kildare's constricted veins, especially since he has one positive claim to fame off the football field was consuming in one setting, a 60-ounce porterhouse at the local sirloin steakhouse. A feat I aspired to myself some day, but my friend's imagination was definitely running away with her. Think about it, Laura, I said, shutting my book reluctantly, because I had been very intrigued by Monte's argument against formal education. If Mr. Kildare was dead or dying in his office, don't you think the guys would have noticed when they changed? I mean, I doubt the boys' locker room is a model of order or hygiene, but I don't think somebody could die in there without attracting some attention. Laura seemed somewhat reassured, but she still scrunched up her eyebrows, scanning the gym through her wire rims. Maybe, but we could ask one of the guys to check, just to be safe, she frowned. I wish Ryan was in this class. He'd do it. She was referring to our friend, Ryan Ronan, who was a nice guy. However, Ryan was also a football player and complained endlessly about how Holler and Hank treated him. I don't know if even Ryan would get off his butt to save Mr. Kildare, I noted. I'd say it's 50-50. Would anybody bother to save Coach Kildare if he ever really was in trouble? All at once, I, although I was still pretty sure our teacher was probably stuck in the long morning drive through line at Dunkin' Donuts or something like that, I recalled a list I'd made the previous year when I'd been bored at a football game. A roll call of people who might actually want to kill the coach, and not just by failing to restitute him. If I remember correctly, I've been able to think of at least six or possibly 60 individuals, including my own dad, who'd probably like to stick a knife into Holler and Hank's overtaxed heart. Then that weird thought was interrupted by the sound of a ball being dribbled, and I realized somebody had finally started using equipment. Laughing, I nudged Laura. Hey, Chase is up and full of energy. Why don't you ask him to check the locker room? I believe Laura was generally concerned about Mr. Kildare, but obviously not enough to approach a guy she worshipped from afar ever since his transfer to Honeywell. No, that's okay, she sort of cried, her face getting red. Oh, come on, I teased, grabbing her arm like I was going to drag her over to where Chase Albright was alone, shooting hoops. He was a one-man team, sinking a shot, retrieving it, and going in for a layup. All with that lazy, I don't give a damn who's watching, but don't ask to join me, vibe that he always managed to give off. Chase was, I thought, the embodiment of aloof. 
which apparently didn't bother Laura or a lot of other girls who seemed perversely drawn to his insensibility. And I suppose the way he looked in his t-shirt and shorts. Even I, who had not a for chase, couldn't deny that he filled out a gym uniform pretty well, and his face with those blue eyes that gave away nothing. There wasn't much to criticize there either. I grip on Laura loosened. I studied Chase as he did another layup, his hair managing to gleam under the fluorescent lights, just as head on a sunny day when I doodled his picture with a question mark on his chest. And I still don't know much about Chase, except that he likes to watch moody foreign films that no other kids go to, but I can't seem to ask him what's up with that when I sell him his single ticket from my claustrophobic booth at the Lassiter Bijou. You think he's amazing too, Laura's accusation brought me back to reality, and I realized I was still holding her arm. She pulled away, giving me a smug look. You practically went catatonic watching him. I did not, I protested, my cheeks getting warm. A propensity to blush for virtually no reason was a curse of being a redhead. I find him interesting, I explained. How can a guy who should be the most popular person in school, a guy everybody wants to be around, seem to have zero friends, let alone a girlfriend? At least Chase had never bought a date or anybody else to the theater where I worked, as required by my father, who insisted that earning minimum wage built character. I hear there's a picture of a girl in his locker, Laura informed me, both of us again observing Chase, who switched to taking shots from the free throw line. A very pretty girl. Really? I turned to Laura intrigued. Who is she? Laura shrugged. Nobody knows. Probably a girlfriend at his old school. Interesting. And where exactly is that school? I was just about to voice that question when somebody behind me butted into the conversation, saying in a super snarky, high-pitched ghost, Dream on, ladies, especially you, Millicent because Chase Albright is exactly one million miles out of your league. Knowing that things were about to get very, very bad, probably for me, I slowly, reluctantly turned to see who had joined us. Oh, crud. Here we go. Wondering what happens next? Check out Buzzkill by Beth Fantasky, available in multiple formats at www.houstonlibrary.org.